Well, welcome. This is Dan Palmer at Making Permaculture Stronger, and I'm excited today to have a friend and colleague, Bridget O'Brien, with me here in Melbourne. And thanks so much for, for coming along, no Bridget, problem. and visiting. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a pleasure. And re- really exciting to be chatting with someone who's part of permaculture and really actively looking into design process. It'd be great to start if you could just tell us a little bit about your, your history with permaculture and permaculture design, and then we'll start chatting about your exciting current project and go from there. All right, thanks. Uh, my name is Bridget O'Brien. I'm from Michigan in the United States, and uh, I got into permaculture a number of years ago from a landscaping background. I got real tired of the question of I want a garden, but I don't. I want to have it low maintenance, no maintenance, and I started kind of looking at different possibilities and opportunities uh, for gaining more experience and knowledge. And I stumbled across permaculture. I kind of grabbed it up as fast as possible, took a course through Midwest Permaculture with Bill and Becky Wilson and have been hooked ever since. Uh, I kept applying it to landscapes at that time and having good success and playing with it in my own space. And then I took a teacher training with um, Peter Bain and Sandy Cruz a few years back, and that spun me off into a whole realm of trying to understand permaculture on a lot of different levels and applying it beyond land use. At that point, I stopped working at a nursery. I wasn't doing as much landscaping. I didn't have my own land, and I had to figure out how to apply permaculture to my apartments and to my personal relationships and to my self-care. And that spun me off into understanding and researching and digging into design process as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's kind of an evolution from land to the greater picture. Mm-hmm. And I continue. I plan on continuing that journey for as long as possible. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and so uh, a current focus, as we've been chatting about off mic over the last few days, and, and I think it was about a year ago we first met, yeah. when we were, you were in the early stages of creating a, a permaculture game, a board game, mm-hmm. a really creative teaching tool and a, and a tool for introducing people to permaculture as well as something that experienced permaculturists can, can benefit from. So yeah, tell us a little bit about the, the game Yeah. and where, where, where it came from, where it's at. Yeah. So the game is called Adapt, and you can find out more at playadapt.com. And it got started at my teacher training when I was asked to present on a topic that we wanted to learn about. Not something we knew about, but you know, our final presentation had to be something that we were curious about and honestly didn't really know much about. So I wrote down uh, you know, self-care, zone zero zero, I think is what I was calling it at the time. That's a whole other topic of discussion. Uh, and I put together, I was trying to, you know, what does that even mean? What research is out there? What bo- books are out there? I found Luby's book. I found, you know, a little bit of information, but it was really hard to see how we apply permaculture to people and how we care for ourselves and our basic needs. And so I went back to the basics and I grabbed Holmgren's 12 permaculture principles. I looked at uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I pulled a few off of there and I started kind of interweaving them together for my presentation and it was a smashing success. Mm -hmm. I had a close friend there that day and she pulled me in and said, we have to keep going. Mm -hmm. And so the game evolved from just trying to figure out how to apply permaculture to your self-care to um, you know, realizing that we can't apply these principles and ethics without the design process. So I started looking at design process and I started to stack in more and more functions into this, uh, jumping down many rabbit holes, mm-hmm. asking a lot of questions, um, reaching out to as many 
wonderful minds and uh, open hearts as possible across the world. Mm-hmm. And I've been getting great feedback ever since and kind of building on it. So now it's to the point where I've had a wonderful graphic designer, Lisa Berry at Wish Media, helping me out and uh, great help from Dan Palmer and Dave Jackie and David Holmgren and a number of friends back in the States uh, editing and working along with me to have a beta test copy that's pretty much ready at this point and that website which is constantly kind of having information added to it so Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that within the next year I'll have printed copies out and ready Mm -hmm. and it's a full teaching tool uh, and board game Mm -hmm. and hopefully we plan to have a digital copy as well too so you Mm -hmm. can play online or through an app yeah awesome yeah Yeah. great yeah it's, it's 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 so neat to learn more about the project and as I was saying to you the other day, to me it's got this this fascinating kind of double-edgedness to it. On the one hand, you're trying to make fundamental ideas about permaculture accessible to beginners. Yep. On, the, on the other hand, in order to do that well, you're finding you that you're actually taking a pretty deep dive into questions about what is permaculture design process and, yeah. and looking deeply into ethics and principles and so on. <laughs> so you know, who knows, maybe you didn't know exactly what you're getting yourself into at the beginning. <laughs> I, I, I definitely did not... Uh at all know what I was jumping into. <laughs> the rabbit holes that I've been down yeah. have been uh, amazing and wonderful, complex and beautiful, and I've been climbing out of them for months. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I'm happy yeah. to say I have, you know, these beautiful graphics and ah. these beautiful written words that are finally coming out and mm. I'm making available through this beta copy. And yeah, yeah. So that feels really good. Yeah, and it's great. You obviously got to the point where the only way was forward you know (laughs) you know you got in deep enough it's like well I'm just going to keep going yeah and and wonderful things are starting to emerge from that yeah all right so we've we've got a draft in front of us that you're holding of the permaculture design process thinking and approach the game is based on and what we did before we started this morning was we we scanned through it together and we just circled I think it was like eight or nine sentences or paragraphs that one or both of us were interested in using as discussion points so Mm -hmm. So we're going to move through this, this document and you're going to read out bits and pieces yep. and then we'll just use those as prompts and have, have, a, have, a, have a discussion. But it's, it's, it's wonderful to be hanging out with people that are in this conversation and keen to, mm-hmm. to, to go deep and, and just seek truth, truth and clarity um, yeah. and, and, and improvement. Okay, so do you want to kick it off? Yeah, we're going to kick it off with whole systems design and thinking starts with reflecting and recognizing the whole time space place and all the energy that exists within it taken together there are always more factors to consider than we can completely account for however we can at least start by becoming aware of the many of the pieces of the whole we can also acknowledge that when we differentiate a part of the whole redesign it and plug it back in the effect will reverberate throughout the rest of the system Acknowledging this is the first step to designing systems that respect the entirety of the system we live in and the greater effects that propagate throughout these systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. It's a lo- lovely kind of high, high level to sort of start with. One thing that comes to mind immediately for me as you as you read those words is the inspiration I've, I've gotten from, I think, a fairly obscure writer called Henry Bortoft, who is, um, he wrote a book called The Wholeness of Nature, in which he was going quite deeply into and explaining Goethe's approach to science. Goethe was a contemporary of Newton, and Newton and then Descartes and so on had a monumental influence on the on the way that science has developed. And part of a series of 
inquiries and conversations and ideas that have become very deeply embedded in our whole cultural outlook, whereas, whereas Goethe was a critic of, of that approach, which has been associated with words like reductionism and mechanism and atomism and, and the idea of pretending that the world's a giant machine and finding what the bits and pieces are and clicking them back together and so on. Whereas Goethe was into holism, and, and an idea that came through your words to me was was something that Bortoft I first got from him, and I'm finding quite a powerful way of of kind of entering systems thinking and approaching permaculture design. He he was also drawing on thoughts of David Bohm, who was who was a teacher and mentor of his, and David Bohm, of course, is an incredibly significant theoretical physicist, and apparently Einstein considered David David Bohm to be his intellectual successor. But anyway, the, the key, key idea is, is pretty simple. It's just that whenever you're dealing with a whole, you're dealing with parts because that's what a whole is. It's a thing with parts. And, it's, and, and whenever you're dealing with a part, you're dealing with a whole because by definition, <laughs> a part is part of a, a whole. And as simple as that sounds, laughably simple, we, we often kind of get con- confused about that. And, and, and like you say, what, what, was, what was the line about holes and pieces? Can you reread that? Oh, here it is. Yeah. However, we can at least start by becoming aware of the many of the becoming aware of many of the pieces of the whole. Yeah, so yeah, 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 and and awareness. Yeah, and the idea that the way we tune, we tune into into a whole is is through the parts, and and a, and a big part of this is realizing that whenever we uh, are, are approaching any kind of design or creation process, there's already a whole that mm-hmm. already has parts, and a huge part of a sound process is tuning into the whole by becoming familiar with its parts. Mm-hmm. And then once the game is on, and we're starting to intervene and be part of the evolving system, as you then go on to say, we, we're we're influencing or, or or transforming or removing or integrating in new parts. And when we do that, of course, we're creating ripple effects that ripple through the the whole system. So that's cool. Yeah. Great. All right, what's next? <laughs> um, we wanted to give a bit of a hat tip to uh, the field process model uh-huh. from participatory design and an article that you sent me a few mm-hmm. months back. Mm-hmm. I, I sent you kind of a draft of some things and you said, stop, read this, call me. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yep. I, yep. I think it took me maybe a few weeks to call you because it just it really hit home for me and this understanding they're really trying to understand you know we teach design process all the time and there's mm. this design process and that design mm-hmm. process and, and if you do these steps that's design process and they would send students home mm-hmm. and they'd say you know record your design process mm. and it would never be what they taught them yeah, yeah and yeah. so they found a pattern and it's pretty much um, this idea of gaining information kind of contextual space transformation often through crisis mm-hmm. emergence and cultivation. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. I, I think the the first so the first one is they, they call it emergence. emergence. Yeah. yeah, emergence so, and a, emergence. Yeah. There's a diff- they, so yeah. immersing. Yeah, and they talk about some kind of they say transformation. Uh, was it cr- Tra- transformation? Yeah. Cr- and it's like parenthesis crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it broke it down really simply for me, and then I was able to look at all the other design processes um, on my table from yep. Yep. you know all the literature and you know, websites I could find. And I was like, oh, here, look, that pattern's there and that pattern's in mm. this one and that pattern's mm. in this one. And I was able to kind of thread them all together. Mm. And that's what I've distilled from all of these design processes. Mm-hmm. And that mm. one, it really helped me mm. find that clarity to move forward in yeah, a way that yeah. was attainable. So I can show you a design process that's four basic questions. Mm-hmm. 
and look, you just designed something, or we can jump into the poster mm. and this booklet and mm. we can dive real deep into detail and understanding every single step of a process that is not linear and mm -hmm. which is, you know, incredibly complex and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. Uh, yeah a, a, a reader of the Making Permaculture blog initially sent me, Lillian, I think his name was, he, he sent a link anyway to the article. And if you, mm -hmm. go, if you, if anyone's interested, if you Google the field process model, you'll find the article. But yeah, really, kind of really thought-provoking article, and and, and they st I think they said we initially started some whatever fifteen years ago or whatever it was, the the German um, uh, Permaculture Institute, and as they started to, to do design work, they started to notice oh actually, we're struggling to find a coherent description of des of permaculture design process in the available literature, anything that remotely correlates to what actually seems to be going on and one distinction that they made that I thought was quite powerful is between what they call a procedure which is a mm. linear sequence of steps so you kind of follow like a formula and, and they were saying look all, all of the process descriptions we're finding inside and outside permaculture are, are not actually processes they're, they're procedures mm -hmm. and then they go on to, to explore this idea of a, a process as, as, as something that's not so linear or and, and formulaic and involves this kind of really high level phases of, of immersing and then transitioning into a, uh, an emergence, emergence. Yeah. but yeah. well worth a read and there's a lot more to yeah. the article. I mean, one thing I love about them is that they are starting with a, a self-critical attitude or a critical attitude to permaculture design process, but a core part of their, their contribution in moving forward is to, is to pull out the, 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 the pattern Mollison explores in the designer's manual of the, the core model mm -hmm. and, and use that diagrammatically to, 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 to move forward. So you know, on the on the one hand, they're being, I think, appropriately critical of what's missing in designers' manual and other places, but on the other hand, simultaneously honouring it <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and finding the clues to addressing those problems from within the yeah the, the same body of work. And I, I, it's definitely an influence for the the Apple core model drawing that yep. I've used to uh -huh. design yep. <laughs> design process as well too. And you can look at it from the front. You can slice it and kind of look at it from above and. Mm -hmm. It all matches in um, with that core model and even mm. the permaculture flower, which mm. we discussed before. Yeah, great. Yeah, okay, yeah. so big big hat to, tip to them. And if any of that didn't make sense, do go go find the, the article. Very very highly recommended, worth a read. Alrighty, let's move on. What's next? Uh, so next, we're gonna jump right into getting into design process. Um, the first, uh, as I'm describing, a design process mm -hmm. in the booklet. We start mm -hmm. off with a design process begins at our current state. Mm -hmm when we become aware of a challenge, need, desire, or problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> as you know, I you know, have a few reflections on that. I mean, I, I actually, maybe a year or two back, or possibly when we first met, that, that was very close to the way I was thinking about the fundamental starting point of any design process is that there's a problem, you know, and where a problem is a discrepancy between a desired state and an actual state. If that discrepancy is not there, is if everything is exactly as everyone wants it to be, you know, deeply, mm -hmm. then everything's fine. You know, things are flowing, life is is is, is kicking along, and and design or redesign is is not required. But as as I was telling you earlier, I've I've since then become aware of of I think really significant and important contributions to the design process discussion or conversation from people like Carol Sanford of the Regenerative Business Summit. Uh, who's been involved in regenerative design in more of a business context, but for a very long time. And I know permaculturists, including Ethan Rowland, have been finding engaging with Carol's work re a really 
apparently a positively disruptive influence and and she's she's got some really deep thinking about it and then also folk like joel glansberg and bill reed from the regenerous uh, regenerous the regenesis project they also call themselves the regenerates and they're doing some really i think really important cutting edge work on on design process and a point they both make is is forget about problems is don't don't think of design process starting with problems and I engage with that a little bit. And what I got from it is what, in terms of where they're coming from, is we can get caught up with just trying to solve problems and treating sort of life as a as a sequence of problem solving at a superficial level. So, you know, you, you, oh, there's a fire, we need to put it out. We put it out, now there's another fire. And sometimes we get in these circles where we're lighting fires faster than we can put them out. And I think that's where they're coming from. And so I'm personally starting to move away from from using the word problem as, the, as a prompt for a design process, even though... I think that it, in terms of just a discrepancy between an actual and desired state in a permaculture context where you know, you're still actually tuning into a, a problem in a sense, but I think it's good to be aware of that it can be double-edged in that way. Yeah. Yeah, and as I continue on with this uh-huh. paragraph, I kind of just explain uh, what I mean by problem a little uh-huh. bit. Yeah, good, as good. a larger scope. So the next um, point that we highlighted was... However, both the way in which we identify and define a problem and the ways in which we seek to address it rely on pattern recognition. Mm. Pattern recognition may seem simple enough concept, but our ability to recognize patterns is shaped by our personal history in powerful ways. Thus, both how we define our problems and how we search for solutions will be informed by our experiences. Yeah, so that's yeah, a great point that, that, that as we tune into a situation at the beginning of a design process, Pattern recognition is obviously involved, yeah. and that our habits and past experiences are going to influence, obviously, the, the way we look at the situation. Yeah, and also patterns can be defined, or I mean, sorry, problems can be defined for people in different ways. I mean, I used an example of an alcoholic, you know, running out of a drink, and mm-hmm. their first reaction is, oh, I need more mm-hmm. to drink. Yep, but yep. hopefully we get to a point where we evolve and we have some awareness that's raised. It's like, oh, that's not the problem. The problem is I need to mm-hmm. not have a drink and I need to find another mm-hmm. way of being in the world. Right, and yeah, yeah. So we're def- try- d- defining our problems is based on our context and on our experience. And yep, yep. that's what I wanted to get across. From and so that, w- that would speak to that previous distinction Same. between superficial problems, problems. And, 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 and deeper problems in terms of you know how do we actually want deeply want to be here and how do we yeah. how do we bring our reality closer to that which which like permaculture ultimately at a high level that's what it is right it's a yeah. description of a beautiful place or state mm-hmm. that, you know lush abundant regenerating landscape with happy functional communities etc you know it's a what a compelling vision yeah and yet our reality is very different to that there's a discrepancy you know yeah and so in a way that's like the the, the problem that permaculture starts from and it's all about how do we close that gap Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going from not just rational problems, but you know those heart and gut, and mm. it's going to those deeper levels of mm. awareness and understanding, and yep. and I think that's you know as much as this can be taken as very rational in its process and thought and playing the game, it also asks us to go a lot deeper, and I I find that every single time I play the game with somebody, they kind of get taken off guard, and mm-hmm. it's you know it hits it hits you at a gut level not mm-hmm. just a rational you know mind uh-huh, you know uh-huh. thinking intellectual level yeah, so yeah, yeah. so point 5 that we wanted to make here was 
With any design process, then we must be prepared to question ever more fundamentally the assumptions that our habits of pattern recognition have ingrained in us. At the same time, the designer must also actively develop new abilities in pattern recognition. As with all aspects of design process, the process of defining problems is nonlinear and recursive. Mm -hmm. The successive redefinitions of a given problem that result will in time yield different approaches to the problem solving through design. The more clear and detailed the definition of our problems and the solutions, the better reference point we have to inform our choices and idea development for the systems we are designing and redesigning. Mm -hmm. Bottom line here, be prepared to put considerable effort into defining our problems and then be prepared to continue redefining it going forward. So you could even change that as, make a considerable effort to defining our aims, like defining Mm. what is our aim, what is our Mm. goal, and put Mm -hmm. a lot of effort into that. And I know that's one of your big pushes and efforts Mm -hmm. through the work that you're doing is clearly defining those aims so as we have a good reference point to constantly work from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that that was a very rich paragraph. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that was great to reflect on that early point that the observational phase of a design process, when you're immersing in the in the whole in the situation, what, you know, what, in whatever context, you you're recognizing patterns, but we we want to have enough awareness, self awareness, that we're not inadvertently imposing in patterns. Because yeah, you know what I mean. That, yeah. that it's easy yeah. to, is to is to is to take the situation and to kind of label it. And so oh, yeah, this is an example of of that pattern, which is of course is critical to, to have this kind of repository or repertoire of of, of of, of patterns that we bring to observation but on the other hand we want to be prepared that that what we're looking at actually doesn't fit a pre-existing mm-hmm. pattern or, or pigeonhole or whatever that we we bring and, and be really open to i think part of it I, I got this idea initially from alan savory through holistic management the idea of assuming you could be wrong even at the observational mm-hmm. phase so you know you start to develop a hypothesis or a all right, okay, the, the situation is an example of this pattern. And straight away, rather than locking that in and saying, yep, that's, that's what right. it is, let's yep. move on and take yep. that for granted. But catch it, catch yourself and say, well, let, let me just assume that I got that wrong and let me go out and look for evidence that I'm wrong. Yeah. And, and let me be delighted to find evidence <laughs> I'm wrong, you know. Yeah. Let me let me be excited to disprove myself because if I can do that, I'm, I'm moving toward a, a deeper and more accurate construal um, of, of what's actually going on. And, mm-hmm. then, and then the... The main point I got from the rest of the paragraph was that the more deeply you can immerse yourself, both in the in in the, in the current state of the the whole situation you're working with, and as you then mentioned, in, into the the aims or the intention, or the, you know what's desired yeah. in yeah. terms of what we're heading toward. That's just you know in some ways the crux of of a sound process. Mm-hmm. And and I experienced when I started designing, and I see it in a lot of. Of, of people that are starting on their permaculture design journey, this kind of impatience at the observational phase mm. where it's it's almost like, no, it's actually when we get to coming up with, you know, design ideas and, and trying out the stuff we learned about in the books, that's that's the exciting bit. So, like, like for example, when I first started doing <laughs> suburban permaculture design consultancy, this is a bit of a caricature, but it's not that far from the truth. I'd kind of knock on the front door, the clients would open the door, and I would just sort of slowly walk through the house and talk to them a little bit as I was walking through the house. But I'd keep walking and I'd just walk out the back door and you know start designing, mm-hmm. effectively giving the the clients, the, the actual people I was designing for, a very very superficial attention or, or, or analysis. Mm-hmm. And um, then over time, realizing that that matters so much, and and you know, 
sometimes we talk about spending 80 or 90% of the time in the observational phase. Yeah. And, and the deeper you go into it, you, it's not like you, it's a distraction from the right de- design configuration or solution. That's where it is, you know. It's, it's yeah. actually in the situation, in the people, in the place, in the whatever. Yeah. Studying how they work in their home and how they interact yeah, with each yeah. other and how they interact with the landscape and how they're actually going to engage with the land that they're yep. in. Yeah. Yeah, and, and as, you, as you build up the layers of information about people in place or, or, or people in so this isn't just this doesn't only apply to, to land-based design. Christopher Alexander talks about the feeling of a being emerging from the mist, but the idea is that the, the, the right design solution starts to emerge from within the context you're immersing in, mm-hmm. rather than being something that you need to pluck from outside the situation and impose and impose on it. Yeah. Mm, anyway. Yeah. Great paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? So what's next? Yeah, we could stay there for a little while, huh? Yeah, yeah. So uh, moving on. Transformation really gets moving when we start to play with patterns and mm-hmm. develop ideas. A constructive tool for this phase in which we are ideating is the application of design principles and pattern languages, assisting us to reach our aim set. Both design principles and pattern languages are patterns that we have observed and combined to assist our process. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, so I, I, I asked if you wouldn't mind <laughs> circled this one because, yeah, that gives me a chance to get a, a sort of a pet peeve off my chest, I suppose, which is I've noticed a tendency in, in permaculture for both design principles, mm-hmm. be they Mollison's or Holmgren's or whoever's, a hybrid set, doesn't matter, and the pattern language idea from Christopher Alexander, um, for them both to become almost like a, uh, a deck of cards that or a bag of tricks that almost defines the process as if as if the design process is just about choosing the right cards out of the deck so choosing the right principles or the right patterns and clicking them together to 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 create a design when you know i think that's a very unhelpful way of understanding the point of both design principles and patterns in in the sense alexander meant it with the idea of a pattern language where well in the case of principles you know i see them as a holding pattern something that helps remind us of where we're heading and provide a set of filters. Mm-hmm. But that, again, the, the, the actual solutions and ideas you come up with, they actually emerge out of your deep journey into what's already going on. That's the core, core place the, the solutions come from. And the principles are just a guiding heuristic and maybe sort of an after-the-fact check rather than something you need to go through like a checklist and sort of impose on, on, on the design. Does that make sense? It's almost like they can become a distraction from actual quality design. They can, and I, and it's funny that you say you don't want them to be a deck of cards because they're a deck of cards now. On your <laughs> Definitely game? Definitely on my game. <laughs> um, but I use them as a as a way to spark creativity, and uh, I see mm-hmm. them. If, if a designer had this game and this tool out on their table mm-hmm. and they were working through something and they found a block, yep. it's, it's really looking at it and saying, man, I, I'm not quite sure. Okay, I'm going to pull this card. Mm. All right, how would I use slow and steady mm. solutions? How would I value yes, the yep. edges? Do I Am I valuing the edges here? Oh, and it's kind of a, a way to, you know, break that block to spur yep, creativity. Yep. And yep. the ideas and the solutions, the possible solutions that come up at this phase of mm. developing ideas are, you know, they're they're emerging from this spark. So someone, mm. you know, I'm handing you this card mm. and you're like, oh, yep, I'm trying yep. to design, you know, 
getting better sleep patterns and I haven't thought about how to use and value Mm. renewable resources Mm -hmm. in doing so. So, Mm -hmm. okay, what ideas does, you know, that come up with? Okay, Mm -hmm. well, I'm going to plant a bunch of chamomile because that seems to really help me. And, and it's like, you're using them as kind of a prompt, not so much as a, like, you have to make sure you use every single pattern or every single, or you grab these five and those are the only ones you're using. And every great design comes from these three and there's, Mm -hmm. they're in every one. It's more of just, you know, sparking creativity and just like the rest of this game and all of the cards in the decks. Um, it's not dogma. It's not indoctrinated. This isn't saying the end all be all of all list. This, this is kind of uh, how can we raise our awareness Mm -hmm. and have a better process? process yeah 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 totally and i think i I, th- I think that's a totally appropriate use where you know and that's one of that's one of the the beautiful contributions that things like the design principles make is that they throughout a process they can be called on to, tr- to trigger or check or prompt yeah. next steps and help you deal with blockages but i i, I, I thought of the example of because I, I think zones can become a, a similar thing yeah. that can become something that you kind of think is the crux of his design processes working through the zones and once again I guess what I'm trying to say is that I, I believe there's a there's a there's a there's a deeper process going on, and that these things should come out of the process, mm-hmm. but they they shouldn't totally dictate and def- define and dominate the process. So, in the case of zones, for example, David Holmgren talks about how in designing Meliodora, you know, this yeah. world famous permaculture demonstration property, he didn't consciously use the idea of zones. Yeah. You know, after the mm-hmm. fact, he used them retrospectively to help explain what had happened. Yeah. And he talks about, you know, surely that that they're obviously so deeply part of his way of thinking inside is sort of unconscious, but he didn't consciously use them to organize his his uh, design process. And I, but I, but they're I, part of his awareness. Yeah. And so yeah. as he's designing, it's part of his awareness. And but he has that already ingrained in him, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of people don't. So having mm-hmm. that tool to help them mm-hmm. kind of start thinking in that way and yeah. have that awareness. Yeah, that's is right. What, them. what these. I think I think that's the the beauty of having the pattern languages and the principles in cards or in a reference deck mm-hmm. or in on a reference poster or something. Is like you can keep referencing them until mm-hmm. the point where they're, you know, kind of part of who you are. I'm yeah, very yeah. well known for going places and talking through in a permaculture conversation, and the next mm-hmm. thing you know, I'm just spouting off a principle. I'm like, oh, we just did this. Yeah. <laughs> Great job, yeah. guys. I mean, you know? that, that feels good to me. That's yeah. sort of an after the fact thing. It's like you, you do your process just, and then you put them through the the filter of the principles yeah. or the zones. Yeah. And yeah, and it's like, oh. Now, hang on a second, we, we haven't actually really honored this principle, so let's go back into the process and, or we're and see what help. comes up. Yeah. I, when I took the uh, Force Garden Design training with Dave Jackie last year, mm-hmm. he has his pattern language cards for yep. Force Garden Design, yep. which yep. are brilliant and beautiful. Yep. Yep. And uh, we were, you know, we had our design, and he had us go through the deck and say, okay, which ones are you using, which mm-hmm. ones aren't you using, and mm-hmm. we separated them. And, yep. and then he said, okay you know, we ended up having a little extra time. So mm-hmm. we had gone back through the ones we hadn't used and we were looking at them and like, wait, this this pattern mm. of the, the leaf, the you know, this or that mm. or whatever it was. And we ended up going and adding to our design and making it m- much more holistic mm. in its thought by taking the patterns that we hadn't used. Yep, yep. So it was just kind of building on our process that we had already gone yeah, through. Yeah, I remember, I remember speaking with Dave after that course and he was saying he, he felt like he'd made some kind of breakthrough or step forward in terms of his own understanding of how to more deeply integrate the, the pattern language for, for edible forest gardening that he's, he's, he's developed into design process one thing i really love about dave too is like in volume two of edible forest gardens when he's when he starts the chapters on design processes that he he stresses that everything he, he says and shares about design are all fingers pointing at the moon 
mm-hmm. and same with these patterns you know these mm-hmm. cards or, or or whatever that that what he's trying to do is is use these kinds of things to help bring people into the the deep lived experience of authentic design process at which point you can kind of throw them away you know, they're kind of like training wheels <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. and i guess that's, that's that's kind that's, of what i'm saying is don't yeah. confuse the training wheels yes. with the with, with the, the actual with the ride with the ride oh that's good yeah and i want it, it um, now I'm on my soapbox. I do want to say a little bit about the patent language yeah, idea because do. you know it's something that I I'm really fascinated by, and and in particular what I'm fascinated by is that a huge number of permaculturists, you know, so pretty much any significant permaculture text, yeah, Edible Forest Gardens, uh, Principles and Pathways Beyond Sustainability, the Designer's Manual, Peter Bain's r- recent book, any yeah, of t- Toby Heming- Hemingway's books, and so on, at the least positively reference Christopher Alexander's work on patent languages and and in many cases go a lot further than that and actually you know praise it and and appreciate it to the point that they actually go in some cases they organize their entire book around a permaculture um, related patent language as Peter Bain has done and and actually in David Holmgren's forthcoming book Richer Suburbia he's drawing very heavily on, on the idea of a patent language and effectively offering Richer Suburbia at Richer Suburbia as a a set of I think it's built biological and behavioral patterns mm-hmm. for, to form a pattern language for retrofitting suburbia, which which is great. But one thing I have never seen discussed or acknowledged in the permaculture literature is that Christopher Alexander considered the pattern language project a, a, effectively a dismal failure. <laughs> you know, and, and he's very explicit about this. And, what, and he was, of course, work, working in an architectural context, but he was initially uh, uh, dismayed, I suppose, that it didn't work in the sense that People would would take the patterns that from the pattern language book and use them as plug and play kind of things, as just kind of more elements or components to click together. And he was he was really disappointed with the buildings that people were were creating using this pattern language idea. And what he realised was that it was it wasn't that it was uh, internally flawed. It's just it's just that it was com- it was an incomplete. Mm-hmm. And what he realised was is that people hadn't picked up on in some ways the more important message that he was if you go through the timeless way of building which is the the introductory book to the pattern language there's a lot in there about the importance of process a process that leads to what he calls the quality without a name and ultimately what for him, for him was about creating beautiful buildings and and then he introduces patterns as a kind of a tool inside that process where the essence of a pattern is that it's a tension reducing geometry it's a way of shaping space that resolves real felt tensions in in a situation so like a simple example is with the uh, you're in a room and you want to be in the sun by the window but you also want to be sitting down in the seat so you're kind of going back and forward so a, a window box or a little alcove where you can you can sit and resolve both of those tensions is one of the 253 patterns or, or whatever it is and yeah I'm, I'm just and 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 well then the point is that he went that he then went on and spent 30 years writing his masterwork which is the four volume nature of order series which was all about going real deep into a sound design process that included pattern languages and and patterns as a part but that let them shine and let them actually take the process to where he, he knew it, it could go and he, he succeeded in that but I would love to see permaculture catch up with that conversation yeah under, you, you know understanding I mean? form and sequence within this process and using these as like you said the training wheels to you know get yeah, on the ride yeah and and and, and getting the deep, deeper point about pattern languages is, is which is not that it's something that someone else creates ahead of time and you just pluck you know out of the deck and, and, and impose on your project that that any 
for him, any design projects early on starts with evolving and, and articulating with the people involved what he calls a pattern language. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those patterns are completely unique, and they're about, okay, what are the actual, what's the system of forces in the situation here? You know, we're immersing deeply in the whole. He even developed this idea of a center and talked about the system of centers, a whole, a whole kind of new kind of non-mechanistic cosmology, but let's not go there right now. But ultimately, he said you, you define a unique situation-specific pattern language early mm-hmm. on, but that needs to be embedded inside what he called a form language yep. and, and this incredible presentation. It's really clearly spelled out in, in volume two of The Nature of Order, which is about sequentially transforming a whole. Okay, what's next? So, after we have worked to map out our context and begun developing ideas, we can piece together a rough draft of our design. The rest will clarify as the utilization of patterns takes place. Mm -hmm. This is the time to test out, implement, and integrate the ideas developed, bringing the design to life. As we move through this design process, details clarify more and more, and we have momentum. That is absolute music to my ears. (laughs) I almost want you to read it again. I can can listen listen, listen to it. You can can listen to it later. You have a copy of the the words, so you can print them out if you want yeah okay. yeah oh, it's beautiful it's funny you know because I, I recorded my first podcast a week or so back with rosemary morrow and got her talking about design processes. and the first point she made is that in her own experience of designing she doesn't complete a detailed design mm-hmm. she effectively gets a concept together and then starts implementing and the details yeah. come out in the wash yeah. which is is one of the things you just said mm-hmm. and yet as i've shown recently in a, a series of blog posts on making permaculture stronger Every single formal presentation of permaculture design process that I could find in the literature recommends that you complete a detailed design, not only concept design, but you flesh it out and, and, and get details together on paper or on screen mm-hmm. and only then implement, which yeah. is frankly really problematic. And Christopher Alexander is an outspoken critic of this approach. I and mean, there's all these disciplines outside of permaculture and including the agile approach to software development and the lean startup methodology, humble consulting you know, you, you you name it, where a core premise is do not create a, a detailed design because a detailed design up front is you're, you're getting into detail prematurely. And because you don't actually know how things are going to be once you start to implement, what, you, what, you're, what you're inevitably doing, even if it's unconscious, is, is imposing mm-hmm. ideas. When any sound design process, I, th- I, th- I think, needs to um, comprehensively filter out or exclude the random because you want the solutions to actually arise out of the, the reality of the situation. Yeah. So, yeah, that was yeah, so I nice. Haven't, I've stopped giving detailed designs to clients uh-huh. now, and I give a schematic rough design, and uh-huh. it's usually hand-drawn. And yep. I spend time thinking about it because I spent a lot of time with the understanding of the context and how things, you know, the site analysis and mm-hmm. everything. So I have a good idea. Mm-hmm. But until I've actually gone and planted something, I I don't do that detailed design. And I would say the same thing as when you're setting up your kitchen and you're laying out your cupboards and you're like, oh, I'm going to put all the cups here because this makes sense and the food here because it makes sense. You know, a week later, you're like, man, that's really inconvenient. I'm going to move them over here. So even if you came up with a detail, it's not it's it's often going to change. It's um, a, it's a, it's it's a funny thing, you know, because the books they recommend something that isn't actually what the people I'm talking to do. Any yeah. experienced designer does, and I, I'm also talking to people that perhaps aren't so experienced, but they're saying, "Oh, that's actually the way I work," you know. Yeah. So you're telling me that's okay, 
I mean, it is. I You're think, telling me that it's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah people yeah. are feeling affirmed. Yeah. They're like, yeah. oh, I, I thought I wasn't a real permaculture designer because I haven't got this beautiful, detailed master plan up front. I'm just yeah. sort of letting things evolve as they go. And I mean, I think I th- having that big picture master plan is important, but that's a schematic, that's a rough draft master yeah. plan. But seeing that whole big picture, having those goals articulated, all of that's really important. Yep, yep. But knowing exactly where you're going to put the plum tree and exactly where, you know, what angle and aspect, everything that that chicken coop's going to sit is 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 very different once yeah, it starts and it's to get totally. flushed and it, out. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's almost silly. It's so common sense. <laughs> and yet for some reason we haven't caught, caught well, up with I, that. I in think the even literature. traditional landscape design and architecture, I mean, you have these beautiful master plans that are given to the clients, mm. you know, to sell the job. And really when you go to start doing it, it's going to change, but they want to see that detail in, yeah, yep. in the initial phase. So that's part of the traditional pattern of yep. land use yep. design, I would say. Um, yep. But it's nice to see that mold being broken. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, well, a couple of comments. The f- first one is that sometimes when the in the software field, I understand it's called the waterfall approach, the idea of a linear sequence where you know you observe, you do a concept design, you do a detailed design, then you implement it, and then there's an evaluation and tweaking phase. Often, when people present this idea of a, of a detailed design, they say, "Yeah, but it's fine because there'll be when we when we implement, there'll be feedback." Mm-hmm. But the danger is that once you've done a design, there can be a very subtle degree of attachment to it, and it can exert this sort of subtle magnetic force that down the track, when the best decision, if you would, if you didn't have that detailed design, would be to go this way. The fact that the design says go that way, you know. It's a bias. It can get you stuck in a pattern, yeah, right? That we yeah, just talked about getting stuck in patterns, and it, that's not a healthy a great case place to be totally. all the time. Yeah, to be able yeah, to be flexible yeah. and adaptive. Totally. And, and, and the idea of minimize waste, if you apply that principle to mm-hmm. or, or reduce or eliminate waste to design process, I think you're wasting a lot of time and effort if you're de- detailing a design prematurely. One last point is this idea of a master plan, you know, which is a funny word. I mean, Ben Falk has done a great job of discussing it and, and talking about why he prefers a working plan but just the word master you know what, what it's saying is this plan is the master, master. Yeah. you know that, that, that the process has to defer to and be subordinate and follow the master which is the plan mm. i think if anything plan. it should be called the the servant plan the big picture or something or, or the, the big picture servant plan, plan or or um sub- subordinate plan you know that that the plan the the planning the plan yeah. or the design needs to to serve the the process that's a snapshot of yeah yeah yeah. Rough big picture, rough big picture yeah, working a, yeah. plan or something. A rough big yeah. picture working plan. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's a step forward for terminology. Yeah. Uh, okay, what's next? During implementation and ideating, it's important to respect feedback provided by evaluation. Uh-huh. It can spin you off into a new design process or confirm your aim is still valid. Mm-hmm. Evaluation can be as deep as reflecting on our ethics or as simple as checking in with our clarified aims. Either way, check in as often as needed to stay on track or to guide you to the next direction of a system's creation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, which is, uh, you know, not, not news to permaculturists which feedback and evaluation is obviously really important mm-hmm. but i think it is it does relate back to that earlier conversation that you can see it in a couple of ways one is that you you do you've kind of mostly done with your design and then you implement it and and seek evaluation or you have a what do we call it a a working servant <laughs> the, um, overall plan or something anyway you know you, you have something like that a, a concept detail yeah a, a, a rough, rough detail a rough working concept plan, plan. <laughs> and then based on that you just figure out what the right next step is and mm-hmm. you and you 
usually it'll be a fairly high level thing, but the driveway goes in or, or, or whatever happens and you uh, evaluation is and feedback is, 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 is happening there. Mm-hmm. And then you decide on what the, the next step after that is. Where ultimately, b- before long, what we usually call designing and implementing and evaluating, they're all actually happening simultaneously. Yeah. They're not in a linear sequence in time. The contemporaries, they're all going on. And sometimes one might push a little bit ahead of, an, of another. But I think you also still have a little bit of that observation in there oh, as total, well, of too. Course, because of you're course, yeah. constant, as you're evaluating, you're observing different things that are happening. And you're gaining more context to the yeah, situation. Yep, yep. And so it's kind of this almost this, this stew or this soup that we're making yeah. that we're kind of sitting in yeah, versus yeah. like these individual pieces yeah, I think of what, a pie or something. The English language, what this language in general, I guess, it, you know, because it is linear, it, it kind of tricks us into... To th- thinking in those terms as if it's one after the other when of course once of the once the game is on once design is unfolding creation is unfolding they're all happening together yeah, yeah. And, and you'll see that when you play the board game the, yeah the game, when trying, the game is on it's yeah. all happening simultaneously yeah beautiful yeah, yeah. i look yeah. forward to that yeah so we just wanted the next topic we wanted to discuss was the it depends factor okay. and the this is um I have a teacher a Penny Creeble who really promotes it as a design principle okay. and as I've kind of thought about that and plugged it in and and looked at it I've realized more that we're always floating around and it depends yeah, yeah. it depends can be beneficial or disruptive uh-huh. and that's all based on perspective so mm-hmm. whatever side of the the coin that you're sitting on, it can be uh, beneficial to the humans. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever mm-hmm. happens that's disruptive could be detrimental to the animals in the system or to mm-hmm. and vice versa. So there's it, this it depends factor that um, in the game I use uh, the roll of the dice to kind of uh, articulate it. Yep. And on the poster, it's you'll see that the design process is floating around and it depends. And yeah, yep, yep. Um, like I said, it can go either way and it just depends on your perspective. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Some, sometimes I think about that phrase as a, it's almost advice you could give to someone starting permaculture design. You know, if someone asks a, a question in class or whatever that you don't, you don't know the answer to, just look kind of a bit wise and sage and say, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> I... I, I Every time I answer, uh, a, like if I'm in a class room setting and I'm the one leading the, you know, facilitating the discussion and someone asks me a question and I say, it depends, I, I always chuckle and, yeah. and laugh a little bit because it's an honest answer. A lot yeah, of times yeah. we don't know. I mean, someone asks you a question about their chickens or they ask you a question about their, their working, you know, environment and how mm. to repair or fix or apply one of these permaculture yep. tools to it. And, you know, that really is the answer. Yeah. And a lot of times it's like, well, I've had an experience of this helping or working, but it's going to depend on, you know, you can apply it. You know, I wish you luck. I hope you do apply some of these things. But, you know, as as William uh, Faith, I've quoted him in the book as saying this is I really, I really love this is, Mm -hmm. you know, permaculture is not something that we do. It is something that we utilize to do things. Okay. So it's a toolkit. And and that's the beauty of it. If you ask my nine-year-old what permaculture is, we were having this discussion discussion as I was trying to finish the glossary and like mm-hmm. make a short definition of permaculture yeah. and he's like mom it's a toolkit it's a toolkit and uh-huh. it really it really is and we can apply things but it's gonna it depends on how it's gonna turn out based on your context and your environment and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of that yeah so, I remember so. I had a flashback I looked up the meaning of depend once and it I think it comes from to hang from you know to depend is to hang from mm-hmm. which to gets into it's all connected yeah but people so often want, you know, what what do I do? What do I do in my backyard? What's the solution? Well, it, the slu- whatever the solution is, it hangs to this and this and this, you know, to your, your intentions and your time availability and your soil and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. 
good. The it depends factor. Love it. Yeah, I love that one. So we uh, are kind of getting to the end of our, our story here for the day, and mm-hmm. we then emerge to arrive at our current state, which we never left, really. Mm-hmm. We grew, we learned, we expressed, we experienced, and we evolved towards this moment. Whether the process took 30 seconds or 30 years, that desire, need, aim we held at the place where we started may have changed or been challenged depending on the path and innumerable factors. Throughout the design process, all we can really do is keep checking in with the defined aim and confirming where we are at in our current state with a steady view of the big picture and our deepest truth. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. And, and uh, so you've got, you've got a, you want me to read the quote? quote at the end? Yeah. So the, the quote I have at the end of this chapter is, we shall not cease from exploration. At the end of all our exploring, we will arrive where we started and know this place for the first time. T.S. Eliot. Mm, mm, beautiful. Oh, that's yeah. This is this, is, this has been most enjoyable, and it's <laughs> it's like again, it's just so lovely to hang out with folk that are just really openly exploring these questions. And I, you know, I, f- I feel like it's 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 important work for, for mm-hmm. permaculture at the moment for this to be a, a very broad, wide ranging, collaborative conversation because there's there's work to be done and design is the core of permaculture and so that the stronger our collaborative understandings of of what design process is and i think you know one thing that's come up in this conversation is hey we've got some work to do and that's okay yeah i mean yeah i mean we we didn't even get into the the kind of when i showed you the word ideate ah and then word problem oh yeah the word implement you know we we have these battles with uh this language that fails us and um, but at the same time, we have to articulate it in some mm. way. So mm-hmm. how, how do we do that? And how do we do it where, in a way in which many of us can agree so mm. that we can move forward? And I feel like yeah. that's kind of been a fault of permaculture is that we've kind of had all these different mm-hmm. ways of seeing, which is beautiful and mm. amazing. But if we can come together mm. on, and have some agreements about some of it, yeah. some of the language and, yeah. and some of the process, and um, then I feel like we can you know, gain some momentum and, mm, you know, really mm. looking at design process and, and where we're at in permaculture and where we, where, what our desired state is, mm-hmm. um, I think is, and I thank you very much for having these conversations and, and for doing the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I enjoy the current state that we're in and mm. I look forward to <laughs> the desired state that I, I think that we both <laughs> can see. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. You know, it takes yeah. two to tangle, tango and I'm delighted that I'm finding in general that you know, permaculture as 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 represented by the the permaculturists I'm I'm hanging out with and meeting with in recent times are are ready you know are ready and keen for this mm-hmm. conversation to be happening. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful that we have the ability to keep exploring as our culture and our society are ever changing. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're not just saying oh it's all been covered or it's all been done or the books have been written. Mm-hmm. We're saying no, there's we're, we still have more to explore mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I I am so grateful for that as mm-hmm. a as a creative enlivened passionate being that we still have more to explore and that Mm. we have people that are willing to have those um, conversations and take those explorations with us Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, i look forward to more and more of it yeah likewise okay well thank you so much (laughs) this has been great yeah thank you very much and um yeah i'll I'll hope to check in with you in you know six months or a year and hear hear how it's all going as as the game kind of makes its way out into the world and yeah and i think with our conversations and preparing for this i think we came up with at least three more (laughs) podcast conversations that we yeah totally totally so look forward to it thank you lovely thank you